Hey everybody, welcome to Match of the Year Podcast. My name is Chris Garcia and I'm your host. And today we're looking at what I consider to be two of the five most important American wrestling matches of the 1990s. And same two contestants. The first is considered the best WWE match up to that point in history by many people. I believe even Dave Meltzer said it. The second really set the tone for what the WWF became in the late 90s and beyond. And it really did set the the whole note for the Attitude Era. By the way, those other three matches that were the most significant of the 1990s in America, number, I would say number one by far, is the Montreal Screwjob. Then I would say these two matches, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, their final match in ECW, and then Rey Mysterio versus uh, Psychosis in ECW. There are some others, of course, that are important, but those are really the ones that I think stand above the rest because they showed us where American wrestling was heading. And there are very, very important changes that happened. And these two matches, and the reason why I'm looking at both of them, they both won matches of the year. The first one won the Observer, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Match of the Year, the RSPW Awards. The second one, I think, only won the RSPW Award. But both of them are spectacularly important. Shawn Michaels, we've talked about before. Something I noticed, actually, in this match is that Shawn isn't as crisp as many workers of his period. He's not quite flair, but, I mean, his moonsault, for example, actually is kind of weak, but that's only because now we're used to heavyweights doing moonsaults and having them look, you know, picture perfect. But here, that was still a very rare thing to see a heavyweight do any flying like that. Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, uh, has had a troubled life, and that's a shame. But he often, he was rarely actively bad. Later in his career, he certainly was. But working as Razor Ramon, he was usually as good as who he was in with. Sometimes he upped his game. We'll talk a little bit about that, but rarely. The first match was to determine who would be the... Intercontinental Champion, after there was a dispute and uh, Sean had left with the belt and then he came back and there was a dispute over who was the champion after Ramon. So they solved it with a ladder match at WrestleMania. The opening match for that WrestleMania, WrestleMania 10, was Bret Hart versus Owen Hart in a match that was... I still think it's a five-star match. It's an amazing match. Uh, It was the peak of what a regular match could be at that point. No gimmicks, nothing. Just two guys who didn't like each other having a match. Storyline, at least. The second half of the show was actually kind of a downer until you got to the ladder match, which was so spectacular. And the reason for that are twofold. One... Shawn Michaels was operating on a whole nother level. He was putting out his best work. He was being allowed for the first time, really, to go and be super spectacular beyond just the the regular structure of the WWF at the time. This is the same Shawn Michaels who, three years later, would revolutionize the entire uh, wrestling world again by doing the first Hell in the Cell match and setting that up. And then that was followed, of course, by the second one, which really solidified it as sort of this 
monstrous barbaric match. Uh, but here, he doesn't have a history to fall back on. There had been at least one, I think two or three ladder matches before. I believe one of them, one of the first was 1992, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart. Um, might have been at a Superstars taping. But I hear it's a good match. I've never actually seen that one. It's strange. Um, ladder matches had been around. They were sort of started in uh, the beautiful city of Calgary as a stampede thing. Uh, they'd had a couple in Memphis. The AWA had a couple. In fact, Crusher Blackwell was in one, which I find odd. Um the latter match at prior to this point wasn't a showcase for high spots, which is, is really interesting when you consider where ladder matches have gone. And part of the reason they've gone that direction is because of this match. Uh, if you, I think even just a week before this match happened, the, uh, Smoky Mountain wrestling had Chris Candido versus Tracy Smothers and an amazing ladder match which didn't quite presage this one. They were operating on a different level, largely because Sean just went out and gave it everything. I could imagine a wrestler who had been steeped in 1970s, 80s, and early 90s wrestling methodologies, watching this match and saying it was an absolute train wreck. Uh, it was just appealing to the thrill seekers, the spot hounds. Uh, I get that idea. At this point, uh, in early 1994, ECW had sort of founded its found its legs a little bit. Uh, you had WCW doing okay stuff. They hadn't brought in any of the cruisers. They hadn't done really much to advance the whole uh, wrestling world. Uh, they, you'd gotten Jushin Liger a few times. You'd gotten uh, a couple of the other Japanese wrestlers, I think, had already shown up. You had Vader. You had Flair. You had Ricky Steamboat. That was good. But really, there wasn't much... I don't want to say spectacle, because there was spectacle, but there wasn't much in the way of over-the-top superstars going beyond the regular physical limits of a wrestling match. And here you had that. You had Shawn Michaels going all out and giving a just one of the best single-person performances in the history of the sport. And Razor, while not just a platform to take Michael's offense, but he definitely did exactly as much as he had to do to make the match feel legitimate enough. And the first match started the ball rolling and it, watching it today it's sort of like well it's kind of tame you know that Michaels does a couple of good bumps off the ladder uh, my personal favorite spot and in, it's incredibly cinematic is when he does the superfly dive off the top of the ladder onto Razor it looks great and Razor had to win that match not just because Razor Ramon was needed to be champion but because Sean needed he needed not to win. And it, it's sort of a way to wrap your head around this. Sean needed to win because... Or Sean needed to lose because if he had won, 
the message that sends that you must put your body out there in a way that is kind of reckless. That's a terrible message to send. But that also plays into the second match. The second ladder match happened at SummerSlam 1995. I believe that was the first SummerSlam I watched live in five or six years. Was an amazing, amazing, amazing match. Better than the first one, in my opinion. Because of what had happened in the intervening time. From April 1994 to March 1995 you had the rise of ECW and no they didn't get as big as they would get in the uh, 96, 97 into 98 phase but they had established themselves within the wrestling hardcore community as the pinnacle of what wrestling was they had debuted Eddie Guerrero Tuchel Scorpio uh, Dean Malenko Chris Benoit uh, Taz was tearing things up already. Uh, I think he was still the Taz maniac at that point. Uh, Sabu was huge. And they were presenting both this amazing wrestling as well as this great sort of spectacle stunt show stuff. And that, that is what led to the second match. And I really honestly believe in my heart of hearts that, because I think the second match was in Philadelphia or maybe that was King of the Ring was in Philly. But they needed to have something to show that audience, that potential audience, that they could compete with ECW. And they weren't really competing with ECW. They were never going to... ECW was never going to overtake them, and WWE knew that. WWF knew that at that point. McMahon was is smart like that. But they had to appeal to that demographic to try and draw them in because they knew the classic thing I've heard two or three promoters tell me over the years. You pay your you pay your mortgage with your hardcores, the one who will be with you every every step of the way. You buy your boats with your casuals, your explosions of casual interest that just brings huge dumps of money all at once because they're interested very briefly. They needed to get more hardcores. And I think this is what really helped. The match itself is spectacular. It's far more spectacular. And there's a very telling moment in here that shows how the WWF was going to evolve into the late 90s. And in particular, setting up the Attitude Era. They've introduced two ladders for the first time. And they're both, both Razor and Sean are up on the, the ladders, each on one. And Sean gives Razor a super kick. And Razor takes the bump to the floor. That's huge. If you don't see that, the idea there wasn't to... It wasn't just a spot, if you think about it. It was a big heavyweight. A super heavyweight, almost, really who had all the tools to be a superstar. He had the looks, he had the body, he had, he had actually some, he had the athletic ability for certainty. I don't know if he had the wrestling ability so much, but to be a giant star takes a bump off a ladder 
from a much smaller dude. That's big. That's something that, you know, in the Hogan years, years you never would have seen. Sean wins the second one and comes out of it looking stronger than ever. And of course, around this time, Sean sort of starts to self-destruct. And it's a very long self-destruct sequence that ends in... uh, I want to say it really ended for him in 1997. He had pretty much checked out after the whole uh, I lost my smile thing. Then he comes back, of course, but I guess it was 98, maybe. But it's so tough because he's an amazing performer, even if he wasn't as crisp as I sort of picture him sort of hazy in the back of my mind from those days. But he was a great performer and his selling is spectacular. Just watching these matches, it's obvious who he took his selling uh influences from. Terry Funk, Ric Flair. I argue that Funk had a greater effect on him. But maybe Flair. It's hard to say. Um, But it's huge how important this match is. Because of two things. One, the latter match came to represent the stunt show aspect of wrestling in the WWE and WWF. Yes. Um, you would see the ladder match pop up all over the place. There've been some, some just amazing ladder matches over the years. Uh, another one involving Sean was, uh, with Chris Jericho, which won the observer match of the year. There was another one with, uh, edge and Ric Flair. That was spectacular. I think that was even on raw. In fact, I know it was on raw. I watched it. Uh, you had brutal matches uh, with the Dudleys and Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Just all this great stuff. And it came to represent that stunt show aspect. And a lot of people would complain that, well, that meant that they were giving out the sort of legitimacy of wrestling for it. And I can see that argument. I don't agree with it, but I can see it the interesting note about this match in that realm is that almost everything you see in the Money in the Bank ladder matches or the ladder match from WrestleMania this year had some element that came from these matches. Bumps off the ladder. The fight on multiple ladders over each other. The use of the ladder as a weapon all of that comes from these two matches. And part of the reason why I think this ma- these two matches are so important isn't just that it was showing that WWF was willing to bring that level of athleticism to, I don't want to say the main events because neither of these are main events, but to the top spot. But they were willing to give a non-traditional main event type wrestler the ball to run with it. 
and he wasn't a non-traditional in physical appearance. He was, you know, if you looked at Sean, you saw a guy who was obviously talented. He had the body, he had the looks, but he didn't work like a main eventer. He worked like that super talented undercard guy that you want to see win. But Bret Hart had sort of broken that that door, but he worked a very different style. He worked, while well, he used to work junior style, he very much worked a heavyweight style in the vein of Flair. Sean didn't work that. And these matches proved that he could pull it off. And I would definitely say that the second match in this in this series proved that he could be the champion. And I want to say it led to his victories. Less than a year later, Sean is world champion, beating uh, Bret Hart in the Iron Man match at WrestleMania. Another match that won match of the year, in fact. Uh, I think it won two, in fact. Good match, not a great match. First 15 minutes are kind of dull. Scott Hall is in the WWE for another two years? I think he leaves in early 97. Or late? No, early 96. That's right, because I was still in college. And we watched that, those matches so often. Uh, would be a big star as Scott Hall in WCW. Would end up having a good career. Drug problems would catch up with him. That's always been his, his downfall. It's his hardy, hardy attitude and drugs. Uh, is now retired, probably for the best. These guys change the industry in an amazingly, amazingly powerful way. You saw Michaels self-destruct to the point where, and get hurt doing his rough, super tough style, and then retire. And he stayed retired for four years, coming back at uh, SummerSlam 2002, I think. And just blowing everyone away with amazing matches for the rest of his career. He was a borderline Hall of Famer when he retired. When he came back after about two years, there was no doubt he was going to be a Hall of Famer for many reasons. And a legend. He would win, I think, three more Match of the Years from The Observer. And would have a streak of seven from the wrestling observer from the Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Had great matches. He was a great worker. Scott Hall with his run in WCW. He innovated the idea that a guy didn't have to be a wrestler to be a star. And that, you know, there are other people who've done sort of similar things, but he really pushed it. And he was a wrestler, yeah. He worked he worked matches. But people will always remember him for Hey Yo instead of for anything he did in the ring. Go figure. Next week is going to be interesting because we're looking at another uh, pair of matches from Shawn Michaels, and that is... Uh, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker 2009 and 10 uh, at WrestleMania's. Uh, the streak versus the career being the second of them. Uh, 
I have to say my thoughts on those matches have evolved more than any other matches I've watched over the past six months since I started thinking about doing this. And part of the reason for that is I now understand what the big deal about Undertaker was. Let's stay around for next week. Thanks. <laughs>